0: Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears. With truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and I'm Jody Bailey. And today we're going to be talking about something I am sure most of us, if not all of us, struggle with. And we're also going to be discussing a little bit of a tricky Bible passage. So our culture tends to prioritize outward. Dis- displays of strength, independence, people who appear to have it all together. And as a result, many of us are tempted to hide our areas of weakness, our areas of brokenness and need, because we don't want to appear vulnerable. Because I think when we're vulnerable, we risk being hurt. It takes courage to pursue healing, emotional, physical, or spiritual healing from Jesus. It takes courage really just to pursue Jesus. And I think many times we're afraid to hope and then feel the sting of disappointment.
1: You know, you talk about weakness and you talk about being afraid to hope about being healed. Um, I went through something similar for 10 years from the time I was 18 until I was 28. I was diagnosed right after I graduated from high school with agoraphobia. And it's essentially panic attacks whenever you leave the house. I could not for three of those months initially, I couldn't go to the mailbox and check the mail. I wouldn't even talk on the phone. And to, to go through that, especially at 18, when you're the kid who has it all together and you make straight A's and you've got the almost full ride to your number one school and suddenly you're not going to college and you're trapped in your room and every, you feel like everybody's looking at you going, just open the door and walk out. You know, it's a very weak, shameful feeling almost that you can't just open the door and walk out like everybody else does. The thing is, we can get buried in that place and fail to realize that other people have gone through the same thing that we have. I went through 10 years of medication and therapy and I can remember um, within that 10 years, being on my knees on the bed, even at 24 and married and and yelling at God about why can't I be quote normal? Because to me, this was abnormal and seeking this healing, like seeking going down to the front at church one time and, and asking to be prayed for. And, and the pastor looking at me and saying, I don't know how to pray for you. So
0: basically he wasn't saying like, I'm not concerned. He's just saying, I don't know. I'm I'm not sensing from God specifically how I can help you right now.
1: Exactly. He just was not, you know, he was a very spirit-filled person and he could not sense how to pray in that moment. And I really do believe that was God. God wasn't done with me yet. God was working something in me because I was very, very independent and self-reliant and I didn't go to, I would have told you I was a Christian, but I didn't go to him and ask him. I played, I planned out my life. I did my own thing. I did it my way. But, but it forced me to rely on him. That's what
0: I think when I, now that I'm, after you just said that, I'm kind of processing your encounter with that pastor. It's almost like God was saying in that moment, wait a minute, you're going to him when I'm calling you to come to me.
1: Yes, that, that's probably very true because I, I went a lot of places. I mean, and, and, in other places, we can go to other places. Therapy is good. Doctors are good. We need those things. But we also need to be seeking Christ first. I mean, those other things in conjunction with Him. But we need to be going to Him first. And in my life, I was not.
0: During that time of your struggle, did you share that really, what you were going through with anyone?
1: I really didn't talk a lot about it initially because there's this sense of I'm I'm weak. I can't take care of this myself. There's something wrong with me. And you start to feel like people are judging you. And so I really didn't say a lot, like key people who needed to know. When I met my husband and I started dating him, and then I knew it was going to be serious, He I told him. But once I people started to find out like at church, there were people who came to me and said, you know, I've had the same, a similar thing happen to me because what we don't realize is that, you know, maybe not agoraphobia might not be so common, but panic attacks are not that uncommon. And I would venture to say most of the people I've ever talked to have had at least one and can understand how you're feeling. So there's this importance to opening up and telling your story and being willing to be vulnerable. And we don't recognize our need for Jesus if we think we're super strong. No, because and the interesting thing is, when I look back now, I don't see the hard parts. I mean, I do see the hard parts, but the the un- overriding, the overriding thing I see is Him there. I can look back at any key point in that time when I was struggling, and I don't feel the fear. I don't feel the discouragement. I can see where somebody spoke something to me, or I read a verse, or I was alone in my room, but I felt His. Presence. And so on the back side of it, he was there all along.
0: In your story, I got the sense of isolation, like that your vulnerability caused some isolation. And I was just thinking about a particular woman in scripture who went through a long period of isolation. So according to Jewish practices, a woman was considered unclean and therefore unable to enter the temple during her monthly cycle. And if you want to know more, because that might sound a little weird, it might be a little confusing, we're going to share a link to an interesting sermon on that particular topic in our show notes. But no. Normally a woman's period of separation, it lasted, I don't know, seven days. But for this woman in particular, this one woman we're going to be speaking about, her isolation went on for 12 years. So we're told in Luke chapter 8, Jesus was on his way. So he's around a crowd of people, he was on his way to heal a man's daughter. And starting in verse 42, we read Luke 8, 42. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, she came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, and this is one of my favorite lines. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go. In peace,
1: And it's interesting how she reached out to him. I mean, she had suffered so much. She had to be in despair of ever being healed. And I think it's in Mark where it says she had been to many doctors. She had spent all her money. She had exhausted all her resources. And it almost had to feel to her like Jesus was her last resort. And I wonder how she felt as she was reaching for him. Because she had to sense something about him to force her out into this crowd of people where she would... You know, anybody that she touched or who brushed her would become unclean.
0: Yeah, I mean, she risked a lot. So I don't know if she even thought. You know, did anybody see her leaving and and heading towards where he was? Did did anybody in the crowd? Did she wonder if any of them would recognize her? And, and here she risked exposure, shame, rejection to push through the crowd. And the crowd was so thick it almost crushed him. So it's not like this was just like it was easy for her to get to him. She had to actually push through and really. Touch a lot of people
1: in the process and in the moment that she touches him she touches the hem of his robe shouldn't actually get to touch him at that point but the moment that she touches the hem of his robe she knows she's healed but also in that moment he knows she's healed and he turns around and says who touched me and then if you look at the mark versus It's terrifying to her. (laughs) Like she comes, it says that she comes and she falls at his feet and she's trembling with fear, but she tells him the whole truth. And so in that moment, she did not let that shame. She made herself openly vulnerable to everybody out there. It was me who touched him. It was me who needed healing. It was me who needed this man's help. So you bring that out that that Jesus called her to step
0: forward when she probably would have wanted to slink away. And had she slunk away, I think she would have missed out on some pretty significant emotional healing. I find it very interesting that so many other times in scripture, when Jesus healed someone, he said, don't tell anyone. But with this woman, he called her out. And I see that just as a call into freedom. And and it reminds me of the verse that says 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So he was calling her out. And really, I feel like it was kind of a declaration to her and to everyone else. Like, hey, girl, raise your chin. And and I think Jesus raises our chin. And I find it significant as well. This is the only time in scripture we have record of Jesus calling a woman daughter. So here's this woman who felt so unclean. So unworthy, so isolated, so rejected, so vulnerable. And Jesus basically lifted her gaze, said, I see you, I'm calling you out, and you are my daughter. That had to just, just be such healing to her. It's often pride that hinders our ability to be vulnerable. And then it's, it's our inability to be vulnerable that can really keep us from Jesus because we have to recognize and acknowledge that we need him in order to receive life in him. And that's scary because when we are vulnerable, we're putting ourselves in a place to be hurt. We're saying, I'm going to try, like when we're vulnerable with Jesus, we're saying, I trust you to be there for me. I trust you to meet my need in this place. I trust you to help me here as, and I trust that your help as you decide it
1: is going to be best. And that's a really scary place. He's more interested um, in what's happening to us spiritually and what's happening to us internally and what's happening to us emotionally. And so our healing may not look like we want it to look. So it can be hard to be vulnerable And to trust God, um, to trust him with our lives, to trust him, even if it doesn't look like what we want it to look like. Job said, though he slay me, still I trust him. And that's such an incredible place. I'm not there, but that's such an incredible place to be, to be able to look at God and say, no matter what, what you do, I will still trust you. And understanding, too, that healing, what Christ's whole purpose for coming was to heal the sin in us, was to free us from that. So that we could spend eternity with him. And we have to be willing to be vulnerable enough with him to say, I've messed up, to say, I'm not doing it right, to say, I have failed you, so that he can, you know, that's where salvation comes in, so that he can save us, so that he can ultimately heal us into that freedom of life in him, no matter what our physical life might look like within that healing. One thing I
0: found interesting with the chronology of events that we see in this passage, what happened before and what happened after is Jesus was encountering a lot of, quote unquote, unclean things. So Jesus, the only one who truly is clean, was making all of these things clean. So first he encountered a man with with unclean spirits. And Jesus cleansed him. He cast the demons out. And then the demons went into pigs, which were unclean animals that were often used for sacrifices to pagan and false gods. And then here's this woman who was bleeding and she was considered unclean. And and anyone who touched her would be considered unclean. And then directly following that, she went and Jesus went and encountered a dead girl and the dead were considered unclean. And in each of these instances, Instead of of all of those things making Jesus unclean, he made them clean. And that's very similar to what he does with us. Our sin doesn't tarnish him. Instead, he makes us holy. He washes us clean. He takes the unclean and makes it clean. And it's interesting, too, when Jesus, when he spoke to her, he said, your faith has healed you. And so that just, it's a reminder to us, grace always comes through faith, not works. And I believe in that moment that he was not just speaking about her bleeding. I believe he was saying to her, you've encountered the son of God. You are healed. You're given eternal life. And, And that's what he promises to all of us. We know we're going to be healed, whether that's today or tomorrow or a year from now, or when we reach heaven. We know that one day we will be fully healed, made fully whole, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. But God's first desire is to get us into that place of bringing us to salvation, of bringing us to himself where we're no longer living in isolation, where we can hold our head up and know that he's saying to us, you are my Daughter. None of us like to feel vulnerable. When we're vulnerable, it puts us in a place of need, but Jesus calls us to trust him and to put our lives in his hands. That's the ultimate vulnerability we can ever express. I thank you for listening. I hope today's episode just encouraged you to seek Jesus out for whatever your need is to come to him honestly and openly and courageously, and maybe even to be vulnerable with others because we need that too. If you haven't done so, we would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to rate it. That helps others to find it as well. And please share it so that others can be encouraged. Until next time, may you live with the courage of one who truly has been set free. But she reached that place that we get the sense that she reached that place where she's like, I have no other hope. And I think, we need to reach that same place too, right? Where we realize just how much we need Christ's intervention.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com.
0: Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take. But I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.